beliefs come from the Bible and beliefs provide a basis for life and beliefs determine behavior. And so as we sing this song that's really the Apostles' Creed from, from hundreds of years ago put to music, we're testifying that this is our faith, this is what we hold to be true, that because of these truths, our lives will look different, they'll look a little bit more like Jesus Christ. I want us to sing through this song again today, and let's remember, we're not just singing a song, we're testifying of what it is we hold to be true, and because of these truths, our lives will look different. Let's sing it together again. Our God is three and one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Our I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in the name of Jesus. Well, it is so good to be here with you all this morning. Many of you were praying for me as I had the privilege last week of, of preaching at a conference in Australia. And, and uh, I arrived in Australia on Friday, went from the airport, dropped my bags off straight to the pulpit, preached at a youth conference, and there were 30-some decisions for Christ that night, and uh, preached Saturday at a men's meeting all day Saturday for my dear friend and the friend of our church, Pastor Robert Bax at Lighthouse Baptist in Rockhampton, Australia, and then Monday and Tuesday, a pastor's conference, Wednesday, hopped on a plane and made my way home, and I was glad to represent Jesus Christ, I was glad to represent our, our church, and in that pastor's meeting, of course, there were pastors from Australia, there were pastors from Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu, I met a pastor from, uh, from India, and uh, it was wonderful to seek to be a blessing for the glory of God, and, and it was great, and I'm so excited to be here today and begin this new sermon series, we're calling it Learning to live and I believe this series will be powerful I believe it contains everything that's needed to change a life but what I really love about this series is it will be very practical I love how-to types of series and this series will give us some how-to's in the Christian life we're gonna talk about some great practices to have in our lives we're gonna see why they're important and we're gonna discover how to put them to work right now now to get started, I know I'm not the only one who's been in a crowd of people that all knew something, but I didn't know it. Maybe you've been in an environment where you were the newbie, you were the new guy on the job. I remember working at a warehouse, a paper warehouse on the graveyard shift when I was in college. And when I was new on the job, one of the guys said, you know, Steve, we're going to need for this particular job the paper stretcher. I want you to go to the back of the warehouse and find the paper stretcher. And I'd never seen a paper stretcher, but I went to the back of the warehouse. I thought, surely I'll know what it looks like when I see it, you know. I looked and looked, and lo and behold, I turned around, and all the guys were laughing at me, the new guy looking for a paper stretcher. If you haven't figured it out by now, there's no such thing as a paper stretcher, okay. And uh, so they were all there, and they were uh, laughing at me and making fun of me. But really, how would I have known that? I was the new guy. I hadn't had any experience on that job. I never learned much about that industry. And yes, I did ask the next new guy to go find the paper stretcher for me when he came on board. But, uh, you know, life is filled with things like that, things that really would be good to know. But if we don't learn them, we'll never know them. If we're not exposed to truth, we'll never really come to understand what it is that we need to know in the course of life. Now, the good news I'll give you right up front today is that we have a great God 
And that his work is evident in our lives the moment that we're born. I mean, the moment you're born physically, your life is a testimony to the greatness of God and to the work of God in your life. In general, in general, when we're born, no one has to teach our heart how to beat. No one has to teach our lungs how to, how to expand as we breathe. No one has to teach our organs how to function. And in general, no one has to teach our mind how to become active. You see, the will to live is within all of us when we're born. But the knowledge on how to develop a life, well, that is something that we have to learn along the way. Along the way. Winston Churchill is credited with saying, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. That's a great statement. But I really would like to add to that statement today by saying this. We spend quite a bit of time talking about how to make a living. And we don't spend much time today as people talking about how to truly make a life. In fact, when you talk with children, sometimes you'll ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? Sometimes we'll say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we kind of give them the idea at the very earliest age that what you do and who you are is the same thing, that there's no distinction between the two. And the reality is there is quite a distinction often between what we do for employment, what our job is, and who we really are as a person. There's been a lot of professional people who could hold down a job who couldn't find a way to hold their lives together. I want us to spend a few weeks identifying some of the disciplines or some of the practices that can help each of us in our lives at a foundational level. You see, when God made you, he made you a multi-part being. I know when I'm looking at you today, I'm, I'm looking at people, individuals. But really, when God made us, he made us as multi-part beings. He, he made us body, soul, in spirit. Now the body part's easy for us to understand. When we look around today, we see bodies. And aren't you glad God gave you a body? We, we have a body. We're, we're glad for that. And so when you have a body, you realize that if you want to have good health, you need to do things like eat well and, and get your rest and, and exercise. There's, there's a body to think about, and that's one-third of the component of who we are. But then we know that there's a soul, and our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our soul is the essence, really, of who we are. That's, that's what really leads the body to do what it does, is, is, is the soul. And we need to realize that we are to be lifelong learners. That we're to develop personally, and this is done through education and experience and in other ways. So we have our body, we have our soul, but then there's that third part, and that is our spirit. Our spirit. Now our spirit has such enormous ramifications on the other parts of us. When we have a strong spiritual basis in life, it, it allows for the greatest growth a person can possibly have. You see, a spiritual foundation in life gives us a reason to want to have physical health. It gives us the opportunity then to have a context from which we learn and a motivation for the choices that we make. And Jesus Christ gave us the greatest example of a life that was in balance in, in this regard. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, we read of Jesus as he was a little boy. And the Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. In other words, he grew in every which way someone can grow. He was, he was healthy. He was balanced in his life. And the foundation of his life were these disciplines that allowed him to make the impact that he did. Over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about five spiritual disciplines. 
Now, I want to encourage you to be in on all five of these messages. There's not one of them that, that we don't need. All of these are, are essential. They're, they're essential components in a healthy, balanced life. We're going to talk today about the importance of the Bible. And that's where our beliefs come from. The song we just sang testifies of our faith, but all of the words of that song are taken from truths in the Bible. So we'll talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about sharing our faith, and we're going to talk about how to manage our lives. And really, we're to be good stewards, the Bible says, or managers of the life that God's given us. And we're going to talk about worship. And and the title of this series, as I've said, is Learning to Live. And the reason for that title is because when we learn these spiritual components, it brings a sense to everything else we do in the course of our lives. It gives a sense... In the relationships that we have, there's a meaning, a deeper meaning. And to get us started today, we need to consider the basis of all that we believe. And we know that each of our lives is to flow from the truth we find in the Word of God, in the Bible. And so we need to learn why and how to get in the Bible. And we need to also learn not just how to get in the Bible, but how to get the Bible in us. And so we begin to think in terms of of what's true according to the Word of God. Everything we need to know about life can be found in the Bible. Whatever it is you're dealing with in your life, God has something to say, a verse that applies to it, a story that will impact it, a principle to be found. In fact, I want to say if we miss this, if we miss the Bible we'll miss everything else that's to come in this series. Because truly, the Bible is the foundation of all that we believe. Everything we'll talk about in this study comes from the Word of God. And so we're going to take some time today to commit to learning how we can know God and beginning with His Word. I'd like to invite you, if you're able today, to join me in standing as we look to our text in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to read just one verse to get us started. We'll look at many verses today, but to get us started, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Here the Apostle Paul writing to a young man by the name of Timothy, under the inspiration of God, he says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I want you to think of those last few words in that verse. The word of truth. And I want us to think on this together today. Our Father, we thank you and we praise you for the opportunity we have to be here to learn. May we grow. I thank you for each person in this room. And God, as we embark on this study together, I pray that we'll come out the other end with a better idea of who you are so that we can live the lives that you'd have us to live. Help us today open our spiritual eyes so we may see. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As you can imagine, I'm a big fan of Bible teaching and Bible preaching. Uh, I'm thankful that God allows me to serve Him in this way. I love very much studying and preparing messages and sharing them with our church family. And there really is no replacing the impact that can be found by allowing yourself to be exposed to sound Bible teaching and sound Bible preaching. It will encourage you. It will help you. It will build you in many ways. And as a pastor, I've been commanded by God to serve up spiritually nutritious meals and to deliver them to our church family on a weekly basis. In fact, the Apostle Paul, or excuse me, Peter rather, said it this way. Feed the flock of God which is among you. 
That's the command to a pastor. Feed the flock of God. And so as I'm studying, I'm preparing spiritual meals, and I want them to be nutritious, and I want to bring them to our church family. But as much as I love preaching and as much as I love teaching, nothing will do more for you personally Nothing will do more for your growth or more for your development like taking the time to learn from the Creator yourself. Nothing replaces personal time in the Word of God. Nothing will help you like committing to read the Bible and learn the Bible and apply the Bible to your life. Now, of course, there's a place in our lives for preaching and teaching, but today I want to invest our study dealing with this topic of personal Bible study. How do we get in the Word in such a way that the Word gets in us, that it leads us and, and guides us and directs us? Now, as you can imagine, there are tons of places in the Word of God to which we can go to learn what we'll be studying today. Because the Bible's filled with, with great teaching on how we can learn more from the Lord in this way. But, but today we're going to just really allow this single verse to serve as a pattern. As I said, we're going to have many verses. And, and quite often when I begin a study on a verse like this, I'll take it sequentially as the verse comes. But today as we get started, I really want to kind of start at the, at the bottom of the verse. And, and there we're going to see the first thought in our study today. So if you have your notes nearby, I want us to begin first of all today by seeing the power. Power, the power. So Paul is speaking to a young man named Timothy. He's a pastor. And in the course of this letter, Paul tells Timothy that we can live lives in which we are rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the end of the verse, but we're going to start there today. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And this is unimaginably good news because truth is something that we all need. You see, the basis for sound decisions we make in life is the information we have from which the decision could be made. And just knowing that there is truth available to you and to me should encourage our hearts. God gives us His truth. Jesus one time was praying to God the Father in John 17. It's a passage we often call the high priestly prayer. And Jesus is praying to God the Father and to the Father. He says, sanctify them, speaking of His followers. God set them apart. Use them, God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, I know that Jack Nicholson made that role famous in one of his films where he said, you can't handle the truth. But I'm here today to tell you this. You can handle the truth. And you must handle the truth. God has given us his truth. And he wants us to know it, learn it, and live by it. I like how David said it in Psalm 25. He said, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and promise. A while back, I was driving to speak at a church, and I knew the city. I knew how to get to the city, and I figured I would just drive to the city. And oftentimes, I'll stop for a cup of coffee when I get somewhere. I, I like to leave a little time, so I'm not just barely getting there on time. And I thought, I'll stop and get some coffee, and then I'll put the address for the church and the GPS, and it'll tell me how to get there from there. So I drove to the city. Stopped for coffee, put the address in, nothing. So I called the church to verify the address. Sure enough, I had the right address. Put it uh, back in the GPS again, nothing. Well, coming to find out, it was a new part of the town. It was a new area. Those streets had not yet been included in my GPS. And for that reason, I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to get there. And, and I want you to know that God's word, it, it's better than the GPS in that sense. It's more like the satellite hookup, not the one that's programmed. It's, it's one that knows what's going on all of the time. You see, God knows where we need to go, how to get there, and what we will encounter along the way. And he says, let my word serve as a guide in your life. 
The great news in this is that as we seek to live life, we have a God who promises to direct us by his word. And his word never fails. It never fails. I like how Joshua, the great leader in the Bible, he's now an old man, and, and as he writes the words I'll share with you in a moment, he's preparing to die. And as an old man, really giving his last address to the people, he said this. He said, Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Here's an old man who's lived a life following the word of God, and he testifies to those that's following, and he says, you also know this to be true. Of all the things that God has said, not one of them has failed. They've all come to pass. Not one of them has failed, he reiterated, because God's word is reliable. And as great as that is, there's even something better than that in this. When we think of truth, we often think of a fact that's accurate, that's been tested, that's reliable. But did you know that in the Bible we learn that truth is also a person? His name is Jesus Christ. And as we learn the Bible, we get to know about God the Son. It introduces us to Jesus. In John chapter 1, the Bible begins that great gospel by saying this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. I want you to get this. He's literally saying here that Jesus is eternal truth. He was there in the beginning. He was there as creation was ongoing. Jesus Christ, God the Son, is truth personified. He is truth. In Revelation 19, John here writing what it is that God revealed to him. And as he's looking prophetically, he says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. Guess who was riding on that white horse? Our Lord and Savior. And he was called True. He's, he's altogether reliable. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. Jesus himself said in a well-known verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Listen, the great news in personal Bible study is not just that we learn from a book. The, the great news is that we learn from our Savior, and more specifically, we get to know Him personally. As we spend time in the Word, we're spending time in the truth, and we get to know Jesus along the way. You see, the greatest life that anyone can live is a life that both knows Jesus and is continuing to get to know Him in the course of it all. I want you to see the power in personal Bible study. But I want you to see secondly today the process. The process. Now Paul's words in this verse are very instructive. And again if we get the context. Paul is the apostle writing to a younger pastor by the name of Timothy. A man that he's kind of brought up in the faith. He's trained him. And he's telling Timothy here in essence how to do what we're talking about today. And so he uses a couple words here that contain a lot of instruction for those of us who hope to read God's word in a way that allows us to know Jesus more deeply. And so let's listen again to what Paul said here. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now I want you to stick with me here. Because it is possible for a Christian to really believe in the value of Bible study, personal Bible study, and truly not really know where to begin when it comes to studying the Word of God. 
In fact, I think if you were to ask the typical Christian, they would say, I really do believe there's value in studying the Word of God. And pastor, I would agree with you that Jesus is truth. And I would agree with you that as I study the Bible, it it deepens and strengthens my relationship with God. Yet many Christians would say, but pastor, frankly, I don't even know where to begin when it comes to studying the Bible. And in these words from Paul, we learn some components, three of them that I'll share with you today that really open the Bible up and will help us to learn it for ourselves. So as we think of the process of personal Bible study, it begins, first of all, there with observation, with observation. Paul used the word study in this passage. He said study to show yourself approved. And and really this particular word study, it literally means to take an interest in something. That's a definition. So the command here is to take an interest in the Word of God. It means to have a desire. And when we have a desire for the truth of the Word of God, we'll obviously have to read it and observe what is happening. And one of the great ways to learn from the Word of God isn't to have all the answers going into it, but to ask great questions as we begin to study it. As you approach a passage of Scripture, it would be good to ask questions like, who is writing here? To to whom are they writing? What's going on in this moment? Where are they and and what was happening in the culture at that time? And all of this can be found as we study the context of a book of the Bible. And specifically, to use as an example, the book of 2 Timothy. We learn in the course of this book itself that Paul is writing. Timothy's the one to whom he's writing. History tells us Paul was actually in prison at the time of this writing. Paul was awaiting his orders to be executed at this time. And so we have a man who's near the end of his journey writing to a younger man. And when you get the picture of the author of this letter sitting in a jail cell knowing his life will soon be over writing to a young man that he's mentored and he's trained a man that he loves it gives you a little bit more understanding of why Paul would choose to say the things he did in this letter we have to begin with observation but then there's a second step in this process it's interpretation the word rightly dividing in this verse that we're studying means to interpret something or to analyze something now this would include not just knowing who is talking but what they are saying this is the part in bible study where we have to ask the question what does this mean what does this mean and that's a process of thinking and and growing and 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 literally uh spending time with the word of god in your heart and in your mind we've got to interpret the passage so we're observing what's going on and then we look at their words and we think what does this mean and that leads us to the third step in this process which is application application once we learn what's being said we have to ask ourselves what does this passage mean for me now one of my pet peeves in bible study is people that sit in chairs and and they call themselves bible students and they begin with the question what does this mean to me frankly i'm not interested in what a passage of scripture means to you and you should not be interested in what a passage of scripture means to me Our interest should be, what does this passage mean? Period. That's where it starts. What does this mean? But when we come to the application part, once we've observed and and, and we're beginning to understand, we've got to say, God, what does this passage mean for me? What is it calling me to do? What, What would this mean in my life? If I applied this in my life, what would it look like? The idea is that we're not just looking for facts, we're looking for truths that we can live. Now, if we seek to learn just to be good at Bible trivia, we're missing the point. We need to be like David, who said in Psalm 119, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. 
and I shall keep it unto the end. What was the heart of David? He said, God, would you help me to know your truth? I've already made a decision. As you reveal your truth to me, I'm going to do what you say. I'm not going to negotiate with you. I'm not evaluating your words to see if I like them or not. God, I've already made the decision that when I know your truth, I'm going to live your truth. You know, one of the best habits you can have when it comes to studying your Bible is to begin your Bible study with a time of prayer. And in your prayer, have a heart that says, God, please help me to see your truth so that I can live your truth. God, I want my life to be consistent with your word. If it's in the Bible, I want to do it. If your word says not to do it, I don't want to do it. David once prayed this, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of, thy, out of thy law. And the heart of a faithful student of the word of God is never arrogant. We never feel as though we've learned it all. We've got to bring continuously that spirit of God. Would you open my eyes? Would you help me to see? So we see there's a process in studying the Bible. But I think we have to figure this third thought out before we even get into that, and that's the purpose. Why do we do all this? Why do we do all this? I, I touched on this earlier, but I'm afraid that I've known many Christians who studied and read the Bible for the wrong reason. There have been times in my life where I have studied and read the Bible for the wrong reason. Now you can wonder, what's a, what's a wrong reason for reading the Word of God? I'm, I'm talking about kind of that legalistic scorecard mentality where we think, God, I've invested some time reading your Word, now you owe me one. Because I read the Bible, that means I'm spiritual. And God, because I've done this for you, what are you going to do for me? You owe me one. And many times as Christians, we kind of lapse back into that mindset we had before we came to know Jesus, where we feel like, you know, if I do good things for him, he's obligated to do good things for me. And we kind of look at it like we're, we're paying so that we can receive from God. There's a great purpose found in Bible study. We're going to see it very clearly in this verse. We study God's word for a variety of reasons. Several of them we see in this verse. And as you continue in your notes, the first thought we'll see today is preparation. Preparation. I want you to notice how Paul made this statement. He said, study to show. Study to show. The idea here in that word show is to present our lives to God. You know, it's a great help for me in my life to be reminded that the day is coming where I'm going to stand before a holy God and I'm going to have to give an account for the life that I've lived. And I want to study in the course of this life for that time in which I'll show my life to God. Now, if you're a Christian, I've got great news. We never do have to answer for our sin. You see, if you're a believer, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. His blood paid the price for your sin. But we will be uh, called before God to give an account for what we did with the life that Jesus purchased. We're going to give an account before a holy God. We should still long to live a life that honors Him. And we can never know how to live a life that's pleasing to God apart from getting in His Word. And so we get in the Word of God as an act of preparation. God, I want my life to be the, the life you would have it to be. And so as we get in this, it's, it's preparation. But there's a second element here. It's love. It's love. The Bible says we study to show yourself approved unto God. Now, this does not mean that we study to find God's approval. Okay? It means that we long to live a life filled with actions that are actions that are approved of God. 
We're not studying so that we can become believers. We are believers if we placed our faith in Jesus, and we study so that our lives would be consistent with His will. When I was in school, I didn't always study. Uh, but when I did, I never studied so I can get in the class. I studied because I was already in the class. I wasn't trying to work my way in. I wasn't trying to earn favor with the teacher so that I could be granted access to the class. That's not why I studied at all. Once I was in the class, from time to time, I'd crack a book and try to learn a few things. And, and I want you to know it's similar in our Christian lives as people of faith. We don't do anything to gain God's approval in that sense. But when you love God, your desire is to have a life filled with choices and behaviors that are approvable by Him. I want to live a life so that when God reviews and evaluates my life, He won't say you were out of step with my word that was inconsistent with what you claim to believe i want a life that would be true to what i claim to believe from the word of god and so when we get into the word of god we're communicating to the lord god i'm preparing for that day when i'll stand before you and god i'm doing this as an act of love i'm not trying to earn anything from you but because i love you i want my life to be what you'd have it to be i want my life to be in step with the bible and so preparation and love and that leads us to this thought commitment now there's a great word in this verse paul refers to those who study as workmen workmen those who study the word are saying that they're doing so for the, the right purpose, and they're saying by their life, God, I'm yours. I'm your workman. I'm your workman. In fact, this word workman, if we were to go back to the day and think of the original word that Paul would have used, the word workman literally means someone you've hired for a job. And so they have a sense of obligation. I've, I've, I've been hired for this job. I need to do this job that I've been given to do. When Paul said we're workmen as we study the word of God, he's saying you need to take this mindset, this attitude into your life, that you have a commitment. You're, you're wanting to do good with your life just as God would have. You want to fulfill God's purpose for you. And I wonder today, if you were to stand before God this day, would your life have communicated to him that you lived with the end in mind? that you love Him, and that you're committed to doing what it is you find in His Word. If what I read is correct, the American Bible Society reported that the Bible is available in 90% of the languages of the world's population. Another 5% have portions of the Word of God, and we certainly have more work to do in terms of, of getting the Word of God to those people groups that don't have it. And most of those who don't yet have a copy of the Word of God, they don't have a written language, so you've got to go in and, and you've got to develop an alphabet for those people and teach them to read, and, and it's a long, arduous, tedious uh, process. But, but the vast majority of the, of the world today has the Word of God. And the vast majority of Christian homes today have multiple copies of the Word of God. Yes, we need to talk about getting the word to those, to those percentages that don't yet have it. But really today, my concern is more with what are we doing with the Bible that we have presently in our lives? I wonder, could you personally share a testimony of how the word of God has had a powerful impact in your life? Can you say that you know the truth, Jesus Christ, personally, personally? 
That you're growing in your relationship with him? Could you say that you know Jesus more today than you did in your yesterdays? Is there a growing, vibrant part of your Christian life? It won't be there without a commitment to get in the word of God. Listen, hear good preaching, hear good teaching. If there's a good one on the radio, listen to them. Nothing replaces our personal time spent with Jesus Christ. Do you know the power of the word of God? Are you working through the process of studying the word of God? Are you opening the word and observing, reading? Are you interpreting, learning what those words mean? And are you applying them, learning what they mean for you in your life? And then I wonder, do you see the purpose in it all? Is your life being prepared today for that day when you will show, when you will stand before God? Does your dedication to study of the word of God let God know that you love him? That his word matters to you? That you don't look at God simply for what can I get from Him, but you look from a heart of gratitude saying, God, you've done so much for me. I could never repay you. I'm not trying to repay you, but because I love you, I want my life to match your word. And I wonder, does your approach to the Bible testify of a commitment that you have for the Lord? Christian, let me help you today. You will not grow spiritually without a commitment to the word of God. We've got to get in the book so that the book can get in us. We've got to read his word. Listen, I've been a Christian for many years. I've been to Bible college. I've been a pastor here for now over 18 years. And I routinely read passages of God's word and I have no idea what it means. And that's one thing that keeps it exciting is you get to keep studying, keep learning, keep growing, keep asking those good questions. But I've yet to reach a point in my spiritual life where I don't need to spend time every day with just me and God getting in the book, reading, taking time when I'm done to think about it and how you do it is up to you. But I like to journal and write down what is something I got from the word of God today. And I, you know what? It's never failed. I've never yet had a day in which I've studied God's word where there wasn't something that was helpful for me in that moment. I believe studying the word of God is has helped me in areas of my life where maybe I have a quick temper. I believe it's helped me in that regard. I think it's helped me to be a better husband than I ever would have been without the Word of God. I think it's helped me to be a better father than I ever would have been without the Word of God. Getting in the Word of God gets His Word into you, and then you begin to respond to life as God would have you to respond. If someone were to ask you today, tell me about your devotional time in the Word, how would you respond? How would you respond? We'll go no further in our spiritual lives than we'll go as we study God's word. Would you all be so kind as to join me in standing, please? Why don't we bow our heads in a spirit of prayer?